All right, what's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Retake Lounge. We are really excited for our episode tonight. We have Blake Stewart with Stewart Designs on, and we are going to provide an extremely informative episode for you guys. You guys are going to learn about marketing, branding, and how to elevate and take your reptile breeding uh, company to the next level to separate yourself from the rest. Uh, if you guys are listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, hit that like button and comment. For those of you that are subscribed, hit that notification button so that you know when we're uploading new content uh, weekly, every Friday. Don't forget, if you guys want to clean cages and you guys want to listen to our podcast, we are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, Nathan, take us into the most important part about this entire thing, which is US Arc. Yeah, we're sitting with the man behind the rebrand himself, so uh, we would be foolish to skip over. But become a member of US Arc today. Member numbers are the most important thing right now. Uh, watch those newsletters and take action when necessary. Blake, man, thanks so much for coming on. I know we've played a little back and forth and finally got you in the studio to do this episode. How's it going? It's going great. Yeah, happy to be here, guys. Awesome, man. So, I mean, if you don't mind, go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself, introduce Stuart Design, and and um, just give us a little intro on that. Sure. Yeah, my name is Blake Stewart, uh, founder and principal of Stuart Design. Uh, we are a branding agency. We assist people with uh, strategy development, verbal, visual branding. I've uh, been in business for just over 15 years and uh, been working with quite a few people in the reptile industry for over the past four years. Yeah. Do you mind? I mean, if you're comfortable with it, do you mind sharing just some of the names that you've worked with? Because I'm sure many of them, a lot of our listeners are going to recognize. Yeah, sure. Sure. So um, we started out with Garrett Hartle of uh, Reach Out Reptiles. So uh, I've personally, I've always been in animals myself, um, just all kinds of animals, you know, growing up and you know, as a child and so forth. Um, I, uh, the first reptile that I had, uh, was a leucistic Texas rat snake, which, uh, which I still have. And, um, I, uh, I wanted to pick up another one. So I, I started looking into, you know, kind of what options there were. I wanted something a little bit bigger, you know, um, but not, not huge or anything. And, uh, that got me, uh, into some of the, the dwarf super dwarf, uh, retakes, uh, that I you know, found out about. Uh, looking at some of you know Garrett's YouTube videos and things like that, I then found out he actually only lives just about an hour away from me. So, um, so I gave him a call. Uh, I went up there. Uh, I met with him. I ended up getting a snake from him, um, and he also uh, ended up hiring uh, us to do the the rebranding for Reach Out Reptiles. Uh, before working with Garrett, I never had any idea of you know how much there was to the reptile industry. I never you know had been to any of the the big shows, the NARBC shows, the reptile super shows or anything like that. Um, so, you know, after working with Garrett, uh, we worked with uh, a couple others. I think, uh, you know, Zach Nova was one of the first ones. Uh, we, we did Slither, Hysteria Exotic, Summit Serpents, uh, Hell Creek Reptiles. Um, did, of course, the rebranding for US Arc. We did Canova, um, Amos Reptiles. I mean, there's a handful of others. I'm probably forgetting off the top of my head right now, but um, it's uh, you know, Cold Bloody Cafe. Um, it's it's just been a really fun industry uh, to to get involved with because you know over the years, I mean, we've you know we've worked with all kinds of different industries. You know, we've done a lot of work with law firms, a lot of work within the construction industry, uh, medical industry, whether it's you know, chiropractors, dentists, things like that. 
And, uh, you know, those kind of projects, they, they pay well, but they, I mean, they get kind of boring, you know, after a while you get kind of burnt out on working on, you know, so many different chiropractor offices or so many different law firms and everything. So, um, in the reptile industry, uh, I, I, like I said, I enjoy the animals. So those are just projects I enjoy working on more. I like traveling to the shows. I like meeting people. I like seeing all the cool stuff there. Um, so actually, you know, being into the work is, is important to me. Totally. Couldn't agree more. That's awesome. So you said you've been in for roughly about 15 years? Uh, I, I started Stuart Design 15 years ago. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, uh, I've, I've also always, you know, just been in art my whole life. Um, I graduated the graphic design program at uh, West Virginia University. Um, I started Stuart Design back in 2007 and, uh, yeah, been running the company ever since. Cool. Yeah. So in, in Stuart Design, what kind of value do you think your branding and marketing is bringing to the reptile industry right now? Like, how is it setting people apart from the typical branding you've seen within the last 15 years? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really the same as, as other industries. I mean, you know, branding allows people to stand out from others and communicate their difference and why anyone else should care. Right. So specifically within the reptile industry, I mean, it increases the professionalism for people. It helps add credibility. Um, the, the majority of companies in the reptile industry are really, terrible at their marketing. <laughs> so, you know, if you can do it right, then you'll definitely stand out. Yeah. And, and, and just to, to, to recap on branding, it's just, it's, it's putting something behind your, you know, just more than just a company name, but it's actually making a name for yourself within an industry and being able to promote yourself in that way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and, and for those of you that don't know, just to set the stage, we're not just bringing some random guy on. I know he introduced his, his, you know, experience with marketing and branding, but also um, you, you've won several different awards with, with Stuart Design, right? I know that you just won a graphic award design. So congrats on that with doing Coil Retic. Uh -huh. um, and and um, I know that you've won some other um, international awards too. So with that being said, um, let me ask you why... So in the reptile industry, because you're part of it and everything, you know, why, why is it important for our listeners who want to get into breeding to stand out and separate themselves? So, I mean, I guess, first off, you can, you can stand out either in a good way or a bad way. Right. So it's important to, to really distinguish yourself from everyone else, because there are many other people out there that simply just do what you do or, or sell what you sell. So mm -hmm. you know, the question is, why should anyone buy from you and say anyone else? When, um, when branding is done right, I mean, it should attract the right people. It should reflect the business properly. It should make a, a company more memorable. It should build you know, that trust and credibility with their clients. And, um, and then on the other hand, if it's done poorly, of course, it can do the opposite. You know, it can make you look amateur. It can actually deter business. So you know, the thing is, the more professional you look, the more credible you appear, the more people are going to trust you and that leads to the more money they're willing to spend with you, you know, without, yeah. without an effective brand, you're, you're really only going to be connecting with a small percentage of the people that you could be connecting with and therefore only making a fraction of the sales that you, you could be making. Yeah. So definitely branding, separating yourself apart from the rest is going to make yourself stand out. And like you said, just bring in more revenue and income that you weren't, being able to. So, uh, 
random question. Um, what, what are some things in the reptile industry? I'm curious that, that you like to really target and focus on when it comes to, to branding. So it all depends on the, the, the company, the individual and so forth. Um, I mean, some of the most important aspects of branding, which most people completely overlook is the brand message. You know, so in, in working, for instance, with, uh, with Justin Canova, you know, going through the workshops that we run over all of our, you know, new clients through the oil board and so forth, you know, we really discovered his company is, is all about innovation, right? So, you know, they've created all these different you know, world's first morphs and, and so forth. People spend all this money on these, you know, rare morphs, these high-end animals to bring into their projects, to, to build their companies, to, to generate money for themselves and so forth. And so some of the, some of the different strap lines that we wrote for him uh, were the snakes of tomorrow available today. You know, it's a quick way to, for, you know, to, again, communicate his value to people and, and why they should care. You know, some of the others are your next experiment begins here um, or pioneering genetic innovation. And, um, I mean, there's, you know, there's just a few off the top of my head that I remember, but there were, you know, over, over a dozen and so different strap lines that he can then incorporate into his ads and his branding and his marketing to make everything more effective, you know, and yeah. again, uh, connect people with him. It's, it's, if you think of any, uh, you know, major companies out there, um, you know, uh, an example I use a lot of the time when I talk to people is Nike, you know, if you think of Nike's ads that you, you, you read and so forth, you know, they don't talk about selling shoes and apparel, even though that that is what they sell. You know, their ads focus on selling empowerment. You know, they some of their messaging messaging says like, you know, there's greatness within you or show them what crazy dreams can do or be the hero you didn't have. Um, you know, their whole strap line or tagline, just do it. You know, they're saying, again, there's greatness within you. You can do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, another example, I mean, you know, Coca-Cola, no one needs Coke. I mean, it provides zero nutritional or rational value, but what Coke focuses on selling is happiness by the ball. So, you know, all their commercials and ads, they, they show friends and family together, you know, enjoying themselves at the movies, parties, barbecues, sporting events, you know, they focus on that nostalgia. So, um, that's, that, that, that's something that, again, I think a lot of the people neglect that is a big part of, uh, you know, their business how 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 that branding goes beyond just the logo i think that's where a lot of people especially in the reptile industry get lost is yeah. within the logo and then not how the brand speaks to others yeah yeah the logo is just a very small part of a brand um i mean there there are many visual components and verbal components to a brand yeah. And it really stood out kind of what you were saying, how your branding goes beyond just like the the logo. But you mentioned some of those, I can't remember any off the top of my head, but you, you know, we all know that Canova sells ball pythons, right? That's ultimately what they're doing. They're just selling snakes. But when, when you mention all those different phrases and slogans motivate someone to start a new, amazing high-end project or, or to do science with their animals, right? So it's it's giving people the idea of like, yeah, I am buying a snake, but I'm also buying the future of ball pythons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that that's that's a very interesting take, and I mean, I I agree um, to to you know what you and Nathan were talking about in terms of needing to separate yourself from the rest of the community because even with retics, everyone is getting into super dwarfs like hotcakes. Um, and, and I, I can't blame them. They're amazing animals. They're, they're, they're a manageable size 
highly intelligent, you know, snake and they're beautiful, different colors, localities are rare. Um, and so more people now than ever are spending big dollar on super dwarfs to start breeding. And I'll tell you what, if you don't do something to separate yourself from the rest in terms of how you promote yourself, you're going to get, you're, you're going to be washed at sea with a thousand other people that are doing the same thing. Yep. So I, I know this isn't what a lot of people like to talk about in terms of business, but what's kind of the general range someone in the reptile industry or just someone approaching you can expect to start out with for uh, price on branding. Can, can I also add to that? Yeah. I, I, I guess like, so I, I mean, you, you can specifically say what you charge, but also want to know, like in your experience of being in the industry, what's like an entry level price that some companies charge. And then what, what are higher end, more sophisticated companies charging? Like just to give the audience a general idea of like what it takes to get, okay branding and marketing and what it takes to get quality marketing sure yeah of course so you have i mean all kinds of options when it comes to branding i mean you can start with you know freelancers that can range in skill you can go to cheap places like i mean fiverr or 99 designs or upwork um where you can pay as little as you know, a couple hundred dollars or less and then you have all the way up to the, the major branding agencies like Pentagram and CGH NYC and, you know, companies like that, they won't take on branding projects for less than a quarter million dollars, you know, and they go up from there. <laughs> so sometimes multiple millions, um, you know, we, we are actually one of the most highly awarded branding agencies in the U S um, you know, uh, I won't go into, you know, what we've won. It's all listed on our website. People can look it up and so forth. People um, we want behind you. <laughs> that's a small yeah. fraction but yeah yeah we won a lot of major national and, and international awards i mean in comparison to a lot of the other major agencies honestly we're a massive bargain however we are a lot more expensive than those cheap competition sites and you know crappy freelancers that simply provide you with a, a couple logo options and have you choose your favorite you know the, the difference between us and again most others as we talked about already is we don't simply create logos you know we build brands and again, a logo is just a part of a brand. You know, the the majority of our projects are for companies that they you know they've started off with something cheap, and they've now reached a point where they realize it's holding them back. You know, and then they hire us to help take them to that next level. You know, uh, we don't we don't have any set packages or prices. Uh, each each proposal that we provide is going to be different for each client based off their specific needs. So the way that we work is we always start with an initial fit call, which is free, just to determine if we're even first off at all, just a good fit for each other or not. You know, um, if we if we are, the next step is a paid diagnostic workshop. It's a brief about two hour workshop. But this provides us with, you know, really a, a thorough understanding of their business, uh, what they're looking to solve or, or achieve. Um, and it helps us determine, you know, if we can really help them or not. So if we can, we put together a plan of action and, you know, a custom proposal, we provide that to them and then it's up to them if they want to move forward with that or not. So, yeah. What I like about what you said about, you know, what is it that they're trying to solve or achieve? You know, we've spoken before and, and I mean, even for some of you that like are, are, you've been doing this for a while or, or, you know, you haven't, but you're getting into it. 
you know, some of the things that that is required for a huge overhaul in branding in order for whoever you hire to kind of get into your psychology and be able to put that out there in a deliverable, sexy message for people is you have to have an idea of like what your mission is. Like, what are you doing in, with breeding your reptiles? Like, what is your purpose? And for a lot of people, breeding reptiles are like, oh, I'm just going to stick reptiles together, sell babies. And so it really makes you look at yourself in the mirror, dig deep and really find out like what you're all about and why you're doing what you're doing. And that's kind of what branding and the psychological aspect of it does, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's the whole point of our workshops. You know, I mean, that's, you know, we're, we're, we're experts at bringing those kind of things out of people and then, you know, helping put them together and bring clarity to their business in ways that they haven't, you know, thought about things before. Yeah. And you mentioned the client and yourself being a good fit for each other. So, uh, what's something you're looking for or what's all entailed for a client to be a good fit for Stuart design? Um, well, I mean, uh, a rule of ours first off is that we're not going to take on a project unless, you know, we determine that we're able to create more value than whatever it is we're going to charge. So, you know, first and foremost, they, they need to have a significant and measurable business problem that needs to be solved. Um, we also require direct participation from you know all the decision makers throughout the entire engagement um and they they also need to be eager to listen learn and you know, of course take on action so you know we start by developing people's brand message first you know and strategy so again our projects begin with workshops pretty intense workshops um, you know the workshops can range anywhere between you know eight to 16 hours so um, but the thing is, I mean, creating a logo without understanding why and how it needs to look, it's, it's only going to hold a company back. You know, we, we actually consider it malpractice. So what we need to do is clarify your goals, audience and industry. We can then form your messaging. After that, we strategically, you know, determine like what colors, styles, fonts make the, uh, the most sense to use. And then finally, how the logo needs to look and function. You see the, the visual identity of a company should, you know, really should be the natural result of proper strategy because, you know, the question shouldn't be, do I like this? It should really be, will this work? Is this going to help my company? Is this going to, again, help me achieve these goals, you know, solve these problems. So our job is to figure out what will actually work and then, you know, provide people with an investment that will actually grow their business, not just create a pretty picture for them or anything. So yeah. as fun as it would be to just clean slate and build something up. It's not, it's not that you want your customers to come with something in mind about what they're all about at a bare yeah. minimum. Yeah. I mean, it's for, for us, it's not a beauty contest. Again, you yep. know, if people are looking for that, Hey, there are plenty of other places you can go. They're going to be a lot cheaper than us. Use them. Absolutely. You know, if you, if you just yeah. want to say, Hey, here's three, four or five options, pick your favorite, you know, go for it. You know, that, that's not what we do. Uh, in fact, yep. most of the time we don't even provide our clients with all options. You know, we go through the workshops and then what we present, you know, it, it shouldn't, you know, it, it's never a pick this or pick that. It, it, it should, you know, the response that we want is, oh, yeah, here's how it looks. Of course, this this is how it should look and stuff. You know, this is what we've talked about this whole time. You know, this is what it's come down to and so forth. Um, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's not really about what people like. Again, it's about what it's about what works. So, you know, if uh, <laughs> a lot of the time if people ask us, hey, what if we don't like what you put together? You know, my answer a lot of the time is it doesn't matter if you like it. It matters <laughs> if it's going to actually work 
and achieve the goals that we've outlined and, and so forth. Yeah. For, for whatever reason, it's, it's bringing to mind uh pimp my ride, just the whole reveal at the end <laughs> going off, dusting off their shoulder. <laughs> oh man. I forgot that was even a show. <laughs> That's good. I've actually met exhibit. I've hung, hung out with him a couple of times. <laughs> nice. Um, I, so, I mean, so more than a pretty logo, it, it's, it's, it, and I kind of like the idea of like the logo is the very last thing because you're needing to get all this information. And so again, for even some of you guys that are listening that are new into breeding and you're wanting to make a, 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 a business, right? Cause I get people that message me and they're like, Hey, where'd you get your logo done? what you do? You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I, it, it's one of those things where like, even just the information that Blake is providing us right now, it's like instead of just thinking of a logo and coming up with it, like try to maybe put some thought behind it. Like what, what is it that you want to do and, and what message are you trying to portray and then tell whoever's designing your logo to try to convey that? Cause I couldn't agree more because I see some, I mean, I, I, I get compliments on my logo all the time, but if you look at my logo and, and you know, if you haven't spoken to me personally or watched the podcast, you would know absolutely nothing about my passions for, <laughs> for, for what I do in the industry and how I separate myself apart. Um, and so, um, you know, branding is something that could definitely benefit me because yeah, my logo's cool and people notice it and it's, it, it catches people's eye because of the lab and the flask and everything, but people don't know what my messages are, what I'm trying to do in terms of locality, manageable snakes, that kind of thing. And until they actually talk to me for two hours because I can talk forever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think that's a really good component. So you can definitely go with a logo to look cool, to be cheap, but is it actually helping you with bringing in revenue? Yeah. And, and I'll add to that. I mean, again, you know, a logo is again, just, just a tool in, you know, the whole, you know, brand built and so forth. And, uh, it's just, just, just a part of it. People put much too much weight on it a lot of the time. I mean, you know, when it comes down to, it, I mean, you know, the logo itself is, is really, I mean, trying to communicate as much as possible with as little as possible, but there's a lot that, you know, uh, goes with that logo, you know, to create that full brand. Um, I mean, the logo itself, you know, there are, there, there are a few things that make that every effective logo needs to be, you know, first simplicity. Um, I mean, the biggest mistake so many people make, is they have too much detail on a logo, you know? So, uh, if you remember Garrett's old logo, for instance, again, illustrative. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah you know, it, it had the awesome. entire skyscraper of Pittsburgh behind you. You could yeah, yeah, have this whole city skyline and all, you know, very, very detailed. And, um, and that's why he, you know, engaged us in, in rebranding reach out reptiles was because, you know, he had realized that it was hard to work with. I mean, you know, it, it was impossible to embroider, you know, on a shirt. Uh, he couldn't print it small on things like a, a pen, you know, it wouldn't be legible, didn't scale well or anything, you know? So, um, and, and also the more detail, the harder it is for people to build up a brand recognition. You know, you need something that's simple and clean so people can easily and quickly recognize it, you know? Um, I mean, think of like the Nike swoosh, you know, think of how simple that is. You know, you show it to someone, you cover it up, and, you know, after they looked at it for a second, they still have an idea of what they just saw and, you know, they've never seen it before and they could still redraw, you know, it doesn't have to be that simple, but, you know, simplicity is a, you know, key element of, you know, what makes an effective logo. Um, this, you know, the, the second thing is memorable, you know, it needs to, um, you know, it shouldn't be like cliche, it shouldn't blend in with everyone else. I mentioned earlier that, you know, we've done a lot of uh, branding for law firms, you know, most law firms, when they come to us, 
they have one of three things. They have the scales of justice, they have the gavel, or they have the pillars. So for that reason, you know, those are three things that we'll never put in a law firm logo because it defeats the whole purpose of what a logo is meant to do, which is meant to make you stand out and distinguish you from everyone else. Instead, it just makes you blend in and look like everyone else. You know, that was also part of the reason that um, Justin had given, had given us for rebranding, uh, you know, former JK Reptiles, um, or J. Cabalca Reptiles, sorry, um, and, uh, you know, and, and renaming it to Canova because, you know, he just had this silhouette of a snake, which everyone uses, you know, Morph Market uses it, um, all these, you know, different breeders. You go around the, the reptile shows, you'll see these silhouettes of snakes with, you know, company name beside them all over the place. It's, you know, over half the booths there. And, uh, and the other thing too was, you know, it was his last name, Reptiles. And that also is something else that everyone does. It's, you know, they use our last name and then it's either reptiles or exotics. <laughs> and so, right. you know, Guilty. so again, he needed to distinguish himself from, from everyone else. Um, and, uh, and then the third thing, I mean, it just, it needs to be appropriate. I mean, it needs to have the right look and feel for the industry, you know, that it's in the audience that needs to attract and, and so forth. Do you get bonus points if it's inappropriate? <laughs> well, it's not really helping you if, it, if it's inappropriate. <laughs> um, so I, I question for you. I know that you mentioned just one thing, if you could add more to this, but you mentioned how everybody just comes in with, you know, their name and then exotics or reptiles or an initial and exotics. I'm, I'm guilty of that. <clears throat> like I created, like I created live exotics in my mind when I was nine years old. Um, and that's the only reason why I stuck with it, uh, just because it's something I want to do forever. But, um, I, I want to hear. Though, I mean, it's not exactly, you know, it's not your name, though. You know, I mean, it's initials, so forth, and, and everything. But it's, uh, and and it's, you know, playing off of you're combining the whole the creation and the the science, right? right? Yeah. Exactly. So I, I got that. That was like the the marketing in me later, who was like, oh, I can turn this into be more than just Lucas A. Bagnera exotics. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so I, you you spoke to kind of one mistake about like what a lot of new breeders and people do in terms of naming their business. But I'd like to hear like three or four other of like some of the 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 mistakes that a lot of new breeders come into the industry doing in terms of how they represent themselves or market themselves or um, that that you want to provide feedback on. I don't know. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is is just settling. I mean, you know, just thinking that the good is good enough, you know, and, and it's not just retake breeders or even reptile breeders. I mean, it's the same with, with all kinds of businesses. And, you know, the thing is poor planning, positioning, promotion, they've, they've really killed some of the world's, you know, best ideas, you know, it's, um, yeah. So when can, do you mind kind of, do you mind? narrowing that down more to kind of focus in towards the reptile. So you were talking about just settling and focusing. Well, so just, yeah. <laughs> okay. So they're, yeah. So they're not focusing. Mm -hmm. So in other words, kind of settling and having a focus and idea of what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, if, if some people, you know, if they, if they would just want to keep it as a side hobby, then, then great, you know, but if they want to turn it into a real business and generate profit and grow and so forth, then, I mean, they need to take it more seriously. Um, you know, again, just look when you go to these shows, you know, I mean, look at, look at some of the people's displays and setups, you know, they'll, I mean, some of them don't even have any signage up whatsoever. And then most of the ones that do have signage, 
again, just look terrible. So for the people that, that do it right, you can really, you know, they can, they can really stand, out, stand from, out among everyone else. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, so like, uh, just to kind of build and talk on that. So I, I, I know a lot of you people listening are new in this and you've invested tens of thousands of dollars in animals and in caging and in all this stuff. And I'm telling you at the end of the day, I promise there's someone right behind you that's spending double what you are on other quality animals. And so there, there it's, there will be with the super dwarf and dwarf stuff in the next five, six years, a lot of people producing a lot of quality things. So I actually like the idea of if, if you, cause at the end of the day, if you don't separate yourself and you don't have a name for yourself and you don't do anything to kind of brand yourself to look professional, um, again, like I said, you're going to blend in, but if you, if you're not, if you're not a name in the industry at all, but you spent a lot of money on animals and you have professional branding and marketing and a logo that goes with it and these slogans and things at the very least are going to be like, don't know what he's done with snakes, but, he looks professional as hell. And then that opens up the conversation for who are you? And that's where you get to sell yourself, your business, your names, which it sounds like with branding, you give them a lot of those, you know, that mission statement and all that stuff that they can sell that, you know, that you can sell that pitch and, and start to separate yourself. But, um, cause it's something in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking about, you know, I, it's, I got in, with the Superdorf and the locality stuff and, and at a time where it hadn't quite blown up as big as it is yet. And so I've had a little bit of an advantage of being able to get my name out there a little bit longer, but man, in five, six years, I can tell you what, people are spending a lot more money than I have on animals. And I just bought a visual ocelot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's going to be people that are producing more expensive animals than me. So I, so I, I think it's really important that you find a way to definitely separate yourself. Yeah, I mean, just look at the the ball python, you know, uh, side of the industry. Um, I mean, you know, there's thousands and thousands of ball python breeders, you know, all over the place. Um, yeah. You know, the dwarf and super dwarf stuff. It's it's definitely up and coming. And um, you know, yeah, five years from now, there, I'm sure there's going to be many, many more. I'm sure nowhere near as many as ball python breeders, but um, but still many, many more than than the few people that are in the game right now. Um, yeah, I mean, you do need to stand out again. You know, the, the, the branding, the, the uh, you know, it helps, as I said earlier, you know, with the, creating that professional look that adds credibility, which leads to people trusting you. And again, you know, that leads to them trusting with you with their, their, their money also. You know, there's a reason that people, when they're at shows, you know, see an animal at, you know, Canova's booth and, you know, a almost identical animal at a, you know, booth across the aisle and they'll pay twice as much for the animal from Canova than they will the other one, even though it's essentially the same animal, you know? Yeah, that's true. And say, say same thing. I mean, you know, I mentioned like Nike earlier, you know, there's a reason people buy Nike and pay more for Nike clothes as opposed to just getting cheap gym clothes from, you know, Target or Walmart that are yeah. essentially the same quality. <laughs> so. That's so true. Um, yeah. You're paying for experience. You're paying to, to be part of something it's it's bigger than just an animal it's bigger than just a pair of shoes whatever whatever you're selling so and i guess i want to know from from a um 
from your standpoint with your background, your history and, and everything that you do, what, what, like, if you could leave our listeners with, you know, top three advice or the, the best things that you can offer and, 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 you know, just kind of giving people a step in if they're starting a new business, you know, what, what's a few things that you would tell them to do off the bat? Um, so, so I guess, I mean, in, in my experience from working with people in the reptile industry, I mean, the most successful people, they, they focus really on what they love. You know, so if a specific species or, or morph doesn't really appeal to you, don't just buy into it to make a profit. You know, do, you know, focus on, on what you love, what you're passionate about. Um, second, I mean, it's, it's, you know, again, from, from my experience working with all the people we've worked with, it's, you know, I definitely believe it's better to have fewer, higher quality, more expensive animals, as opposed to a higher quantity of cheaper animals. You know, it's, it's less work, um, less expenses on, on food, on, you know, supplies and, and things like that. Um, and I mean, third, I guess, I mean, coming back around to, to the branding and so forth, I mean, investing in your animals is great and of course necessary, but be sure to also invest in your business as well, you know, and building a brand that's going to actually help you grow again, help you achieve your goals. So whether you hire us or any other professional branding agency, you know, if you're not investing in, in cheap, low quality animals, then you shouldn't settle for a, a cheap, low quality brand. You know, it's only going to hold you back. And when you do rebrand, you know, eventually when you realize it is necessary, it's going to be much more expensive to, to redo everything. And not to mention, you know, you're going to have missed out on a large percentage of business over the years, you know, that you didn't have a proper brand in place because, you know, of course there's, there's always, I mean, there's a high cost of not doing things right as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally true. I mean, and, and aside from a high cost of missing out on income, you're also investing all this money on your animals, caging enclosures, feeding, and not, you know, turning that around to be profitable. Yeah. And I think kind of the theme I've heard throughout the episode is I think the most solid investment you can make, even though these animals are great, you can make some good money with them is yourself through and through with that, with branding, just Gosh, back yourself that... up first. I got, I got goosebumps. I don't know if you can see them. That was beautiful. My arm's too swollen for goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> That's pain. Um, but yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, me being a, a, a therapist, I, I, those are, that's a lesson that I tell clients all the time, you know, investing in yourself and over other people and those kind of things just kind of leads back towards that self-respect. Um, and so definitely trusting yourself, investing in yourself and elevating yourself to a degree with breeding reptiles. I think Nathan, you hit it over the head. Um, so Blake, if it's okay, I want to get away from kind of the marketing branding conversation. I think we've given people a lot to consider, a lot to think about, a lot of good information. Um, I kind of want to hear, so I know you keep retics. I know we've talked about your animals. Yep. Just, how long have you been keeping retics for? Uh, so again, it's been, been about four years, you know, since I first met Garrett. Okay. So four years and how many retics do you have? So I have a total of 27 animals, uh, 26 of them are dwarf, super dwarf. And uh, then I have the one leucistic Texas Rasnig. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. actually, I, 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 actually, I will say I do have two mainland males, but 
there's no plans to breed them or anything like that. What are they? Uh, I have a, uh, a really pretty looking, unique uh, motley tiger, and uh, and then uh, just a you know a, a very awesome anthrax. Uh, oh, nice! And uh, so you, yeah, you yeah. have an you have an anthrax male that you're not planning on breeding. We're going to talk after this, okay? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably the best anthrax I've ever seen. Also, yeah, that that's yeah. I love I love hearing that. Um, so, um, what what are some of the super doors? So, I mean, do you plan? I mean, you have 27 animals. Do you? I mean, are your intentions to breed? Oh yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, it's you know my intentions aren't to turn it into, you know, a full-time business or anything like that, obviously. I mean, I have all my time taken with, with my, my company already. Um, again, I've, you know, I like the animals. Um, I, I got involved with them, you know, through Garrett, uh, initially, um, I have, you know, a number of animals through, uh, other people as well and so forth. Um, but, uh, I, I decided, you know, to, Instead of just having one or two to you know, get a few more to do some breeding, and I'm sure if it brings in some residual, residual income on the side, then hey, you know what? Why not? Um, right. I have uh, I only have two females that are breeding age right now, so I have a, uh, a, a sun tiger um, from Garrett uh, who. Uh, his, she's she was breeding last year. She's been breeding again, um, you know this this year already, uh, but I haven't. Uh, through palpating her, I haven't felt any follicles or anything like that developing. Um, and then I have a, uh, 75% dwarf, super dwarf, uh, phantom, um, that is gravid right now. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. So, um, so 75% phantom you said? Yeah. So, uh, so, so it was from, uh, Chris McVicker and oh, she's, um, uh, 50% Slayer and 25% uh, super dwarf. And then I have a seventy-five uh, percent uh, phantom anery phantom uh, from Garrett uh, that isn't my animal, but is here on breeder loan. And uh, they've they've been going at it for a while now. She is uh, full of eggs, and uh, she is also hit anery. So I'm really looking. And that to, uh, that and, and I'm get, very excited. So seventy-five percent super phantoms. Yeah, so that 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 pairing, right? So that fifty percent Slayer, twenty five percent Superdorf, um, is a that was the one of the pairing that Chris did this last season, and it produced a, uh, or it was a sibling of it, and produced it. It looked like Clear as Day in Annery, um, and I tracked down the Superdorf line to the person working with them, uh, and there was no known Annery in that Superdorf line. And Garrett sold me the mom of those animals, that pure female Slayer, Gary Lawless Retic Ranch Line female. And he told me, he's like, you know, this line had these Mercuries or these these pure Annery Slayers that came from Wild Cop Pairs. And so after Chris McVicker hit that clutch, um, I, I'm trying to get an Annery male in with her because if I have a 100%, you know, if I have a pure Slayer that's het Annery, that's so oh, mind blowing. Yeah. So I'm I'm super excited for you for that pairing. You might hit, you know, you're gonna have super phantoms. You're gonna have possible anery stuff uh, that that pops out of there. That's super exciting. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like the look of the the super phantoms. I mean, just those all white snakes. Initial, again, that's oh, yeah. the initial snake that I had that acoustic Texas rat snake. And um, so so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, the I, I bought her off of uh, Chris uh, after she you know last last year she had her first clutch. 
Yeah. And uh, so, so this one that she's grabbing with now is, you know, will be her second. And um, there was, uh, there was only one super phantom from her first clutch that, yep. uh, the, 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 that he had, which, well, there, well, there, there were two, the, the, uh, there was a female and a male, the female, uh, he said, wasn't doing well from the very beginning and stuff, you know, and, and didn't make yeah. it. Uh, the male, I also have him. So of course he's just a little baby, but 75% super phantom. Yeah. What's, what's awesome about those animals as well, that the female that you have in that clutch. So he had two females from that, that clutch. He still has the other one, but what's crazy is that I know Chris, Chris doesn't feed lightly to keep animals small. And what's crazy is that these females are pretty mature. You know, they're not 10 years old, but they're pretty mature. And there's, some of the tiniest 50 percent salayers that, oh, yeah. that, you, that you'll see like they 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 are incredible like the he just pulled the sister off of a clutch and she's tiny like she yeah. she's she's smaller than some uh you know some high percentage superdorf stuff at the same age yeah yeah no no the the, the phantom that i have that's describing now i mean she's yeah, she, she's she's small. I mean, I'm I'm not sure. I haven't weighed her exactly, but if I were to to weigh her, I'd probably guess she's maybe around, I don't know, between twelve and fifteen pounds. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what do you are you care? Do you care to? I mean, you have a lot of retakes. Do you care to share any other projects that you're working on? Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's there's nothing else I'm I'm currently working on um, because uh, everything else still has some growing up to do. Um, I don't you're ready. You're you're doing the plugging and playing though. Don't tell me you you don't have your <laughs> your pairings planned. So there out. are certain projects that, that that yeah. I mean again, you know, it's it's about working on on what you like, what you're passionate about, right? So to me, I really like the look, like I said, of the super phantoms, the all white ones. I also like the all black ones, the the motley golden childs. You know, the um, Annery motley golden child specifically. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, makes them even darker, and um, and then uh, you know some of that albino and snow stuff. So, uh, just I think that stuff you know is just really vibrant, you know, pretty, um, and I mean, it also that stuff always does, you know, always does sell well. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah those are all great projects to invest to. Um, Similar aspirations here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're working on some snow stuff. Hopefully, I mean, we'd have to really hit the jackpot this year to hit snow, but you know, down the line for sure. And then working towards super phantom stuff, just the same. Saw Garrett's super phantom out at Tinley with you, and mm -hmm. that thing was even better looking in person. I mean, you don't get to see all that kind of like lavender, almost purple backstrap that it has, but when you get it in your hand, you're like, oh shit, this thing has pattern. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Um, I still haven't seen a super phantom in person, so I'm excited to be able to do that. I, I, again, I want to produce them myself as well. Um, a lot of people are after the cow project and I admire that. I love cows, but for me, I have a phantom just because I want to focus on super phantoms if I do, uh, work with the phantom. But, um, you know, I, I know I'm not, I'm not going to spill any beans. I know you have some very special projects that I am excited for. And so I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm excited to see what you produce in the future. And I think that it, it's pretty, I think everyone's pretty familiar of Stuart design. Um, but um, I, I'm excited to see when Stuart design starts to start producing some, some retakes. Do you, do you have a, do you have, are you separating that? Are you just going to be Blake Stewart? How are you doing that? Mr. Mr. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely wouldn't do it through Stuart design. <laughs> no, 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 that, that'd be a tax crazy. That, that <laughs> yeah. would be, no, that'd be a logistical nightmare. 
No, no, I, I, uh, I'll, I guess I'll let you in on a, you know, I haven't told anyone else, but, but I did purchase the URL snakes by design. And nice. um, so, yeah, cause that's, you know, it's about, you know, designing specific kind of snakes through the morphs and, and so forth, the genetics, and then Stewart ties in with the design company, you know, gosh, so, yeah. so that's just a good. little, that's just a little sample of the beauty that you get when you decide to work with Blake and invest in branding and marketing. Um, so, um, let me ask you this. I, I saw a video of, of one of our good friends, Spencer getting rocked in the back of the head by one of your snakes in a walk-in room that you have a bunch of shelves and ropes. And can you, I mean, I, if you don't mind, I'm actually going to have you send me pictures. And as you're talking about this, I'm going to upload pictures in here, but tell us a little bit about that room. It's freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to start that off, um, that snake that got Spencer is not one of mine. Every single one of my snakes are completely <laughs> docile and they would never, ever bite anyone. Uh, I, I've, I've taken online to, uh, you know, the, the kids' school. They've asked me to, you know, set up like, you know, reptile field trips and stuff like that. And all the little kids are holding them and everything. I mean, uh, none of them would ever do that. These were two snakes that I had got from someone else. Um, well, well, sorry, was holding for someone else uh, while they were waiting on getting their cages in. And so I was like, you know, they'd already purchased them. So I said, sure, I'll look after them for a little bit. Um, and, uh, and they were not used to being handled all that much and stuff. <laughs> so I was, I was trying to work with them and everything, but, um, yeah, when Spencer was over here, he, uh, yeah, he, he came by and, uh, wasn't paying attention and walked by it was one of the shelves and it, it decided it, you know, got annoyed with him or something, just quick little tag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I watched the whole video and I was looking and, and Spencer was just kind of minding his own business and he was walking back and forth and, and Spencer wasn't looking at that snake and I don't blame him because it was super high up, but I'm looking at that snake and I'm like, oh, that body language looks like it's cocking back. It's probably yeah. going to strike and then bam, it just like. It was, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just, it, it was a snake that's not used to being held and it was nervous and, you know, him pacing back and forth from it, you know, uh, just finally it was like, hey get away from me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. In there. So tell us about that room a little bit. Sure. So, um, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's an addition I had built onto the house, you know, just, uh, you know, just for the snake. So I, I have, I have one room that has all the, the separate enclosures, you know, in it. Um, and then that room is connected to this new room that I had built, which is just a playroom for the snakes. So, uh, 12 by 12 foot room. And I think the ceilings are, uh, eight or nine foot tall, whatever. But, um, and then I put in all kinds of different things for them just to, uh, to exercise, you know, crawl around in. Cause, um, I, yeah, I just, I just don't like keeping them, you know, in the, in the cages all the time. I, I want them to actually get out and move around and explore and, you know, be inquisitive and so forth. And, uh, and they seem to really like it also. So, uh, I have ropes in there for them to climb up. I have, you know, uh, rope ladders. I have different shelves on the seat or on the walls with, you know, holes that I drill through that they can all fit through and stuff. Um, just all, all kinds of different things to help add enrichment, you know, to their life. You know, um, I mean, if I were a snake personally, I wouldn't want to just be stuck in a, in a six foot enclosure and, um, you know, taken out a couple times a week or anything like that, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I, I have a camera in there that, you know, in the mornings I can, I can take a look at, and I mean, you can see how much they actually move. You know, these aren't ball pythons, you know, they don't just sit there, you know, retics are going to explore if given the opportunity and, oh, yeah. and, you know, they do, I mean, they go all around that room and, and it's just really cool to see. And 
Um, and, and it's interesting too, because each one of them, you know, I found has like their specific spot that once they're done and once they, once they are tired, you know, they just want to, you know, curl up in and, and, and go to rest. <laughs> and so That's I have awesome. like these, you know, cat trees in there and there, there are certain snakes that, you know, they, they have like their spot. Hey, I'm always going to be on this top one. Another, another one's always going to be on the middle one. The, the anthrax snake, for instance, uh, there's this like little hammock off to the side of it. And every single morning when I come in, I know he's going to be right in there. No, no other spot. That's awesome. it. You know, that's, that's it. There's a, uh, I need to make a, sure uh, that I get a hammock in my garage to make sure when I get him for some, that, uh, <laughs> that I can make him nice at home. Yeah. There's uh, I have a, a, a lavender albino motley and there is this uh, like a, a dog bed that I have in there. You know, I have some just random things in there. They can you know, also, used to I just I put it in there I thought hey maybe, maybe someone will like to just curl up in it she goes under it every single time I mean you know it's you know exactly where she is before you even walk in that room <laughs> that's then, that's yeah. pretty awesome yeah so it's it, it's funny I mean they've all they've all found their own spots and stuff so yeah I'll, I'll put them in there I mean sometimes you know eight or nine of them at a time and so forth you know um, never had any issues I don't put two males in there together because I don't want to take a chance of course of you know them fighting or anything uh, but I'll put a whole bunch of females in there and you know just again let them crawl around and have fun nice that kind of sounds like a lot of what I like my my envision of what I see in the future so eventually we you know my family we want to get a piece of land build a house and I want to have a, an outshed uh, where I, I keep the snakes and I do my breeding there and I want it to have two separate rooms um, that were built within. And one of them is a walk-in full enclosure where I would rotate females in weekly. And mm -hmm. then the, uh, the other room be a kind of exactly, I mean, really the inspiration from what's seeing your room and just having a jungle gym frenzy for the snakes to be in. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen online on some of the different, uh, you know, retake Facebook groups and things like that. I mean, I've seen some amazing things people have done. I mean, other people, I mean, they've, well outdone me with my room and so forth, you know, some of the stuff I've seen. Um, I mean, there's some really cool stuff out there. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, again, you know, I'm just, I want the animals to, to, to live a good life and, and so forth. And, and I also, I also think it helps, I mean, their, their temperament as well. You know, I mean, mine, you know, I, I do have, uh, you know, a handful of them. I, I don't want to go over the number I'm at right now, you know, it's plenty, <laughs> but uh, because I also do like to, you know, take them out again, you know, handle them, let the kids handle them and stuff. And, um, I, th I think it helps their temperament, you know, if, if they're also, you know, just enjoy their life more. Um, I'll take them outside also. I've got a large yard, so I'll take them outside. And, uh, I've, I've kind of learned that after, you know, about four or five days after I feed them is, is normally when they go to the bathroom. So if about that fourth day after I fed them, I'll take them outside, I'll let them crawl around. They'll just let it go in the yard, and and that avoids having to clean the cage up. So that makes things also easier on me. <laughs> so. That's that's the best, man. Um, I I love during the time of the year here in Texas where I'm able to do that. But I probably only have about unless I'm up, you know, realistically, unless I'm I'm up in the morning um, early to try to get as many out. But there's like a three four month period of good weather in the afternoon where I can do that, and I try to take advantage of that as much as possible. Nice. Yeah that grass like stimulates them too oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. and <laughs> i mean it's you know they, they've they've learned really i mean that when, when i take them out there and stuff i mean most of them now as soon as i put them down they, they just go to the bathroom 
and then they'll start crawling around and stuff, you know? So, so they've kind of, they've kind of learned it. Um, it's, it's funny. I mean, the, the first snake that I got from Garrett, um, he, uh, he will not ever go to the bathroom in his cage. I swear <laughs> he holds it in, which I mean, again, I can't blame him. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't want to be in a, in a, in a, in a box, you know, that I've, you know, you, you don't, uh, you don't poo and peep your bed anymore. What's that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, but he will, he will hold it all the, you know, as long as it takes until, until I take him out. And then when I take him out, then he just lets it go, but he will, he refuses to ever go to the bathroom in his cage, That's which crazy. is nice because I literally never have to clean his cage. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's insane. So after hearing that, I'm going to start taking like the little clicker that you use with dogs, try to see if I can use some positive and negative reinforcement with my retakes to get them to. <laughs> yeah. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, okay, so if it we're we're gonna go and we're gonna start to wrap this up, and we want to get into a rapid fire type of question style with you. So me and Nathan are going to. Uh, alternate on these questions back and forth. And so we just want to hear your answers to these questions that we have for you. Fun, easygoing questions. You ready? Sure. All right. Number one, favorite sport. I grew up in England. So, I mean, soccer, you know, should be football. But, uh... nice. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and then, and then I play a lot of basketball too. Okay. Awesome. Uh, number two, favorite team. So what, what's your favorite basketball team and what's your favorite football team? Yep. So I'll be honest. I, I don't really watch sports. Uh, okay, I, I cool. love playing sports. Um, you know, uh, you know, I play basketball two, three times a week. I like mountain biking, weight training. I used to play a lot of soccer, but I had to, you know, give up something with, uh, with, with, with life. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, kids take a lot of time. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but uh, but I, I really don't watch any sports. I'll, I'll watch a World Cup when it comes around. And yeah. well, it's yeah, World, World Cup time right now. So, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I don't I'm want to talk about it. Always rooting for England in the U.S. in the World Cup. But uh, besides that, I really don't watch sports. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, uh, dream reptile. I mean, I I, I have them. Uh, yeah, I feel the same. <laughs> yeah. Really, I feel a little bit differently. I, I mean, there's one or two I could add, but I, every time I step in that room, I'm like, this is oh, my yeah. house. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but tell me that an awesome croc monitor hanging out in your house wouldn't be amazing. Uh, I don't got the... No. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Random question. Cats or dogs? Dogs, definitely. Okay. All right. Uh, favorite alcoholic beverage? Hmm. So I travel to Mexico a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm in Mexico probably yeah, about at least four times a year. Um, and I, I used to hate tequila, um, you know, but a, a number of years ago, coming back from Mexico, um, you know, going through the airport, the duty-free section, you know, where they give out all those free samples, Someone had, uh, you know, someone asked me, like, hey, would you like to try some tequila? And I was like, oh, I, I don't like tequila. And they're like, what do you mean you don't like tequila? You're, you're, you're in Mexico. You got to like tequila here. <laughs> and I was like, no, I just, I, I don't like it. And they're like, oh, you, you haven't had good tequila. And I was like, okay, let me try what you have. And they poured me some good tequila. And I have really, really got That's into. That's what's in here. I have, yep. I've really got into tequila since then. Um, you can get some stuff in Mexico that is unlike 
anything in the States. And again, there's not really anything in the US that I've had that I like, but there are some really, really nice tequilas that I brought back from Mexico. So um, that's, that's probably my, I mean, that, that that is my favorite. There's a, there's a couple different ones. Um, You you drink your tequila chilled or straight? Straight. Yeah. Good. And that's the way. So a lot of people in the States chill it, put it in the fridge, but anybody that you talk to, the way you're supposed to drink tequila is just like you would, you know, scotch. It's not yeah. refrigerated. It's not in the freezer. It's, it's just nice. And yeah. yeah. Some of the really nice tequilas, I mean, they don't, you know, the, the, the nice ones don't have any of that nasty afterbite that all the tequila in the States has, you know, um, it's, it's just really smooth and I mean, really yeah. flavorful. And I'm not a fan, a uh, big fan like the mezcal tequilas, like the smoked ones or anything. Um, yeah. I like more, more of the Blancos and so forth myself, but hundred uh, percent yeah. agave. And, and that's, yep. that's where I start and where I finish. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but, but I do like some scotches too. Um, I do like the more smoky scotch, even though I don't like the smoky. Me too. Tequila. So like the Ardbeg and, um, you know, some of the Glen Levitt's. Have you had, like, have you had Lefroy? Um, I'm not sure if I have or not. Lefroy is a, is a smoky from the, the, uh, Isla area and in, in, oh, it's from the Scotland. same as uh, same area as the Ardbeg, right? Yeah, and Lagavulin. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah. Lafroy is yeah, a great. Law, the, the really smoky ones, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get a bottle for forty five bucks, and it it doesn't taste as good as like a hundred dollar bottle of Lagavulin, but it's right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of friends that are big uh, bourbon connoisseurs, you know, um, and uh, but I don't know. I, I I'd rather I'd rather sip on a nice tequila than a than a, than a bourbon. <laughs> Yeah, me too. These days, for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. So let's. So so favorite band or favorite music. Ooh. Um. Clearly, Blake is busier than all of us. <laughs> no favorite sport team. Doesn't know favorite band. He's like, eh. You know, I just I listen to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, this will probably surprise you, but but I like a lot of the the kind of underground rap and the old school stuff. Yeah. So. Like if someone asked me favorite band, I would say Outcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I I hate all the 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 new rap that's out there, all the mainstream stuff and all. Oh, that. it's terrible. It's, it's just horrible. Yeah. That's all it is. I like yeah. the underground stuff too. Like Aesop yeah. Rock. Well, I like the I like, I like the stuff that actually has a message to it. You know. Yeah. Instead right. of just talking about the stereotypical cars, money, woman, crap. You know. I mean, who gives yeah. a shit? You know, but but the stuff that actually you know has some has a message behind it and so forth. Um, yeah. and some of the underground stuff, a lot of uh, like the immortal technique and nice. things like that. So okay, cool. All right, next uh, question. All right, so go, favorite go morph, super phantom. Okay, yeah, I, th- I felt like I knew that one was coming. Yep. All right, now favorite locality. So, I don't know if I if I say I have a favorite locality. I mean, um, to me, uh, you know, and this is a different direction than I know what you're in, of course, you know, because you, you know, are focusing on a lot of that locality-specific stuff. Um, you know, with the stuff that I want to focus on is is more so, you know, only working with the pure localities in order to up the percentages yeah. um, and shrink down the sizes of some okay. of the the morphs that I like the looks of. Okay. So your, your locality in terms for you, it, as long as small locality is gold. Small. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Calto, Carapa, Madu, those kind of things. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Cool. Same here. 
Any other questions you have for him, Lucas? Substrate of choice. Oh, Repti chip, of course. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Love yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, JT puts out a, a great product. And um, yeah. He lives I, in my backyard. He His his shop is 15 minutes away from me. Yeah, yeah. I use Repti chip in, in all my enclosures. Um, the uh, Even the big uh, six foot, uh, you know, enclosures that I have, I don't put repti chip in the whole thing because that would be a nightmare to try to you know every time they, they they go to the bathroom clean up or spot clean or change the whole thing or anything like that but what i do is i actually i so so i'll put paper down like what you know most people do but then i have a a large tray that takes up the left half of the cage and that tray has a height of you know about two inches to it and i fill that whole tray up with repti chip and so the animals they will they, they they will sit in that tray because they actually like sitting on that repti chip, and they almost use it as a litter box. So if they're not going to the bathroom outside, then if I need to clean their cage, all I'm doing is pulling that tray out and then just changing the repti chip out of that chip out of, that, out of that tray. That's a retake hack right there. I'm gonna it's, give that a shot. No. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some photos of it, but that has um, that has cut down like cleaning time. I mean, man like crazy now did so, you get these like at home depot are they like cement mixing pans what are what kind of pans are you getting sure so the first time i actually had a sign shop here in town that I, that I work with you know through my design company that you know produces signs for people and stuff i had them take some black uh, pvc and just like what the animal plastics cages i have you know are and uh cut some trays that are you know the perfect size to, to fit okay. in there. um and, but that can get kind of expensive. I mean, you're looking at like you know, about a hundred bucks a tray doing it like that. Um, then I found at Tractor Supply, they have um, the, uh, the, the, I think they call them like rabbit cage inserts. And, and they use those, they slide in rabbit trays and so forth. And those work perfectly. Um, you know, there's a, awesome. there's about, there's about like an inch or inch and a half of extra room, you know, around it. So they don't have the perfect fit that the PVC ones I had made do, um, but they work. Yeah, they, they work. <laughs> and, 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 and those are those are like I think uh, I think like fifteen bucks a piece. Okay. All right. I know what my next purchase is. Yep. And I, I don't know why I never thought of that. That that's genius. But um, yeah. I I mean, on that note, I think that's all the rapid fire questions that we have for you, Blake. It was awesome having you on tonight. So I really appreciate you coming on. If you don't mind. Go ahead and share where people can find you. We'll also put that in the description and link below, but go ahead and let them know. Sure. So um, Stuart Design, uh, the, the website is sdidentity.com. And that is the same for all our social media handles, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, so forth. Everything's at sdidentity. Um, my email is blake at sdidentity.com. And uh, our phone number is 855-SD-LOGOS. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. For those of you that have hung tight and, and have enjoyed this interview, don't forget to comment down below what your thoughts are on marketing, on branding, on, on logo design, all that good stuff. Engage with us in the comments. Thank you so much for liking and subscribing this. Again, we are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, don't forget, if you guys are wanting backseat access to our Patreon, that is patreon.com forward slash the Retake Lounge. Go ahead and check it out. 
come join. We have an awesome Discord channel that is extremely active and people wanting to better the retail community and help all of us grow together. That and as well, just remember, become a member of US Arc. Blake, thank you once again for taking this chunk of time out of your day. Absolutely. Happy to do so, guys. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. You guys have a good one.